Hello, and welcome to episode 99 of The Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfor-Stewart. Today's guest is Dr. Paul White. Paul is a psychologist, speaker, and international leadership trainer who makes work relationships work. His company, Appreciation at Work, provides training resources for corporations, medical facilities, schools, nonprofits, government agencies, over 700 colleges and universities, and does this work in over 60 countries. He is the co-author with Dr. Gary Chapman of The Five Languages of Appreciation in the Workplace, which has sold over 400,000 copies. And I am a proud owner of one of those copies. Paul and I talk about the five languages of appreciation, how to show appreciation that is actually appreciated, how to not show appreciation that backfires, and basically all things appreciation in the workplace. And I thought this topic was particularly appropriate right now, given the challenges and stress that is piled on all of us because of coronavirus and working from home and social distancing. I figured we could all use a reminder and some extra help to show meaningful appreciation to our colleagues and really everybody who is in our lives, because it's just really nice to feel appreciated, and we could all use a little more of that feeling in our lives right now. So here's the conversation. You're listening to The Modern Manager, a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rock star boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Now here's your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. Thank you so much, Paul, for joining me today. I am really, really excited to have you because not only am I a huge fan of your work, but you graciously wrote a little blurb for my book, and it was so meaningful to have you endorsing that and the work that I was doing. So just want to say thank you, and I'm really glad that we actually get to now have this interview. Yeah, sounds good. I'm pleased as well, Mary. So I'm a huge fan of your work. I have found that the five languages of appreciation have been extremely helpful for me in my life, and I'm really excited for you to share that with my audience. So why don't we start there with just an overview of what are these five languages and how do they show up in the workplace? Yeah, so they're actually you know, based on the work done previously by Dr. Gary Chapman on the five love languages, which deals with personal relationships. But the five languages of appreciation are the same in name, but look differently in the workplaces. So they're words of affirmation, quality time, acts of service, tangible gifts, and even physical touch. And so we've developed an online assessment tool that comes with the book and people can also buy separately. We've had over, I think, 235,000 people worldwide take it now. And so we have a, a nice sense of what people like and not only the language, but of the specific actions within each language because that's important as well. So maybe you can give us some examples of what does it look like for each of those kind of in the workplace? Yeah. So words of affirmation, which is almost half of the the workforce, about 46% of people choose words as their primary language of appreciation. And it's as simple as just saying thanks, but really being specific about something that you value that somebody did for you or their character. Value. And we sort of teach a little model of use a person's name and then give a specific of what you value and why it's important to you. So Becky, thanks for showing up early today to help get ready for this meeting. That way I didn't have to worry about doing it all myself. And it can be orally, it can be writing either in a handwritten note, which boomers tend to 
add value to, but emails and texts are, are valued as well. And then quality time is an interesting one in that it's sort of changed over the years. I mean, it used to be that quality time meant that people wanted time with their manager or supervisor. And but while it's still true for younger employees, most of the time they're more interested in time with friends and colleagues. So it's about focused attention. It can be, you know, hanging out and going to lunch together and feeling included that way. Sometimes it is sort of just getting one-on-one attention, be able to ask questions or share observations and so forth. One of the key things about quality time is it doesn't take a lot of time for most people. It's usually like I had a CFO tell me, you know, my language is quality time and I you know, appreciate when somebody stops by and checks in to see how I'm doing. But after five minutes, I'm booting them because, you know, I've got too much work. <laughs> uh, so there's that aspect. Acts of service is not rescuing a low performing colleague or, or employee. It's more about in the context of when we're working on those time-limited projects uh, often that we're pushing to get things done, what's something somebody could do to help us out? And it could be, you know, sort of just hold interruptions, make sure, you know, we're not interrupted or take our calls for us, or maybe take on some small daily tasks that need to get done so we can stay focused on the project, or maybe add, you know, some area of expertise that you have that they're not as strong in that can help make it go better. So. For some people, uh, I had one CEO tell me, he said, my language is get her done. You know, don't talk to me. Don't give me something. You know, help me get stuff off my plate. And that can be really meaningful for people to have that language. Tangible gifts is not benefits, raises, bonuses. It's more about small things that show that you're getting to know your colleagues at a personal level. So it could be bringing in their, you know, their favorite cup of coffee in the morning or bringing in a snack that you know that they like. could be bringing in a magazine about, you know, either sports team or a hobby that they have that, you know, that they're exploring. So it's, it's really, really more at a personal level. Um, and it's, it's not a big ticket item by me. And then physical touch is an interesting one and one we have to be careful with. But essentially for, for what we found is physical touch it differs, you know, regional. I mean, you're in New York now, but you lived in Kansas City and I'm from the Midwest and I've lived in the South. And you know, they do sort of side hugs down there. And then in New York, you just sort of nod at each other from across the room. But <laughs> it's spontaneous celebration, right? It's when you solve a problem, it's a, a fist bump. It's when you land a, a big contract, a congratulatory handshake. It could be, you know, a high five when you finish a big project you've been working on. So it's pretty innocuous. But, you know, the recipient is always the one who determines whether or not they want to participate or not. And it's less than 1% of the population identified that. But it happens. So we, we need to pay attention to it. So I had mentioned before that it was really helpful when I started to understand these because one of the things that I had learned when I was learning about your work was that the way that we feel appreciated is often the way that we express appreciation, but that's not necessarily how the other person will feel appreciated. Yeah, I mean, it, and it goes to sort of leadership, really. The key is perspective-taking ability, being able to see situations from your team member's point of view rather than from yours. And so it may be fine that, you know, you like to give compliments or you go spend time with people, but if that's, you're going to have team members that don't have that language and so it's going to miss the mark. Not only that, it can become frustrating for you that you keep doing this and they still say they don't feel valued and they get frustrated. You keep doing things that don't mean anything to them. And so we want to help people become more effective in the appreciation they do communicate. So it really does make a difference for the recipient. 
so clearly I've had those kind of frustrating things. I'm like, isn't it enough that I just did this nice thing for you? And like, you don't seem to care at all. But clearly that's not what you want to feel as a manager. And nor do you want to feel that on the other side as the employee where you feel like, why do they keep helping me with this? I don't need their help. Like get out of my face. Right. So are there ways that this backfires or are there things that we should avoid when we're thinking about kind of how to approach different people with these different <laughs> languages? Yeah, actually, I just published a blog this week on times when you shouldn't try to show appreciation. It's the first time I've, I've written and published on that specifically, but it's all about the other person and it's about encouraging them. And it's not just about making them feel good. I mean, chief happiness officers, which I just think is the stupidest idea uh, in the universe, because we can't be in control of other people's feelings, right? I mean, we can do things, we can be polite, kind, even positive, but how they respond is their deal. And so I'm, I'm having a hard enough time dealing with my own happiness, let alone managing somebody else's. But what we're going to do is we want to find out. And to be honest, in the five love languages, personal relationships, you can sort of talk about it when they, at the five love languages.com, they have a little inventory. But for us in the workplace, it's really hard to sort of just figure it out. You can't just sort of watch people and figure it out, partly because people don't always use the language that's most important to them. Secondly, there's not that many data points to be able to see when and how people show appreciation. So that's why we created this online assessment that not only identifies the language of appreciation, but uh, also the specific action. So like in quality time, if a manager sees that one of their team members has quality time as their language and assumes that, okay, I need to spend some time with them, that may be a false assumption. They may want some quality time with somebody, but maybe not with you, right? And so we want to find that out. And also, so we then, after identifying the language, uh, we give people a choice of actions. And so it could be, let's go to lunch and talk about work. Next one is go to lunch and not talk about work. Take a walk together, all different kinds of options. And then within the inventory, people can choose from whom they want that action. So supervisor, colleague, direct report, anybody, because you may want to hang out and watch, you know, your sports team over the weekend with some colleagues and friends, but you don't want to invite your supervisor. So you can sort of clarify that. So it's important to get as specific as you can, both so you hit the mark so that, you know, you don't waste your time and energy and also so you don't create that weirdness or irritation. That makes so much sense. And I, I totally pick up exactly how it's hard to read other people. And I actually had a conversation with my team at one point and I said, please, don't ever write me a handwritten note. It's one of those things that I don't know why it's a pet peeve of mine, but it bothers me that people like spent money on a card and then it's just going to go right into the trash. And that's like a paper tree that could have been saved. And so I just outright told people, I said, you know, if you want to say thank you to me, that's wonderful. Shoot me an email. That is more meaningful than writing me a handwritten note. So you never know. It's interesting you share that because you know, I'm a boomer and boomers grew up, you know, personally, if your grandma gave you a nice Christmas gift, you had to write her handwritten note. And so we sort of translate that to work and even in nonprofits for, for donors and stuff like that. And what we found is that really generationally, there is a difference that younger employees don't value Henry notes as much, especially 20 something guys. They don't really give a rip about that. What's more important is the speed in which you give them feedback. Because if you wait and give it to them at their review or whatever, it's more about sending them a text and saying, hey, way to go on that presentation or whatever, within 24, 48 hours. That's more important for a lot of younger employees. 
Are there other differences between gender or age or seniority or anything else that might be in the mix? Yeah, you know, I'm a psychologist by training, and so I had the opportunity to be trained in doing research. And so we do ongoing research and have looked at generational differences. And I would say really the, the biggest one between age groups is that issue about not necessarily wanting time with your manager or supervisor and then the handwritten note thing, as well as, although this is becoming more general, is that the kind of gift, if you will, that uh, a lot of younger employees like is flex time or comp time. After they've worked on a hard project, they'd like to get some time off to, to recoup. And it's not quality time in our sense, and it's not a time with a person, but it's, it's a benefit. It's being able to take time off and still get paid for it. So there's that. Then we also did some research on comparing remote employees versus face-to-face employees and found that words are still the top one for remote employees, but it's less important and quality time goes up quite a bit. And specifically, in some follow-up interviews we did, found out that remote employees really like to connect by video conference. And I have a remote employee, and so she lives in St. Louis. And so when we have a team meeting, we'll start out with a video conference for the team. And we may keep that going or not, but just that that facial kind of thing. As well as for remote employees, uh, you really have to be more intentional because face-to-face, you um, walk by somebody's office or you see them in the break room or coming in uh, in the morning or whatever, and you have these sort of spontaneous interactions. You don't have that with remote employees. And usually those are the times when we sort of catch up and check in, see, you know, what they did over the weekend and all that. And so remote employees, you really have to be intentional to set up some time to just talk and talk about non-work issues and talk about the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl or how your kids are doing in soccer and so forth. Because if you don't do that, it all becomes very task-oriented and they just feel like a production unit. We say, you know, your employees are people first and they're a person and they have a life, uh, both outside of work and in work. They have other characteristics besides just getting things done. And if we don't pay attention to that, they really don't feel like you care about them or feel valued as a person. Yeah, and it's so funny that you said that about having remote employees and the extra time and being intentional because I also have two remote team members now um, and I used to have a whole lot more. And one of the places where this shows up really differently in my work is when you have in-person meetings with your teams, I almost never recommend starting with anything personal. Like don't mm-hmm. take that time when people are sitting down to start chatting. Like it, it whittles away your meeting time. But when you have a virtual team that doesn't meet very often or you have a colleague who you don't see face-to-face very often, the first few minutes on the line and, you know, just checking in on life is so important. Yeah. And in fact, I encourage people to maybe even get on the line a little bit early, you know, because it's tough to schedule those meetings, but, you know, get on, you know, 10 or 15 minutes early and chat a little bit before or hang on afterwards. So you don't necessarily burn the team conference meeting, but you still have that personal interaction. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about this idea of appreciation versus rewards, because I see this with a lot of teams where they're trying to figure out like how to motivate people. You know, they feel like, well, they're doing this because they're getting paid for it or there's some big bonus around it. And rewards and feeling appreciated are very different things. Right. Yeah, we really differentiate. And our website's appreciationatwork.com and it's the word at, but it's sort of the mothership and I have videos and articles that are free and and podcasts and so forth 
that address a lot of these issues. And, uh, and recognition and rewards are largely about performance. And that's okay. I mean, as long as they're used for that. The problem is when you try to use recognition and rewards for appreciation, it doesn't work because it's not personal. It's, it's about performance. And so we sort of have to keep it separate. And a lot of organizations have fairly complex sort of recognition reward programs. That's fine. But that doesn't mean that your people actually truly feel valued or appreciated. And so we find that appreciation really sort of fills in the gaps that way. And appreciation is about the person because, you know, there are some characteristics of us that are valuable that aren't really productive. I mean, personally, I like to work with cheerful people rather than grumpy people, you know. And so I can appreciate somebody that's got a good sense of humor or a fun laugh that just lights up the room. And so it's not always about production because sometimes people and managers think, well, how can I show appreciation when this person really isn't up to the level I want them to be? Well, you have to differentiate between their performance, but also valuing who they are as a person and showing interest and you can do it, but you have to think it through. So on a kind of related note, I've heard mixed things about showing appreciation in front of groups, right? There's a like an old adage like praise in public and criticize in private. What's your take on that? Well, actually, I mean, I can share data. I mean, every time I have spoken or done a training since the beginning, it's been over 10 years now, I ask the question, how many of you really don't want to go up in front of a large group to be shown appreciation or recognition? And it varies from group to group, but sort of the average is right around 40% don't want to. And administrative assistants are more like 60%. Librarians are 90%. High-performing salespeople are like, hey, bring the TV cameras on, whatever. You know, <laughs> uh, you know give me the, the lights. And so we have to understand that, first of all, there's a difference between sort of large group recognition, which a lot of people absolutely hate. I mean, and it becomes a negative. I had one leader tell me, she said, yeah, I got an award as, you know, employee of the year. And I spent the 15 to 20 minutes prior to getting the award in the bathroom throwing up, you know, and, you know, obviously wasn't a positive experience. So we have to understand that. Now, some people are okay with being complimented in front of their team or on a conference call. And that's where in like if a person's language is words, we give them options of which actions they want. And actually, we just created an expanded version where you can choose the actions you absolutely do not want. So I would say, more people are okay with sort of small group recognition, but uh, even so, there's some you have to be careful. Yeah. One thing I used to do with my team members is I would say, I would give them the direct praise and say like, thank you so much for this. This was so fantastic. And this is why. And if it's okay with you, I would like to share this at our next team meeting to give you the public recognition that you deserve. And then let them say, oh yeah, that would be fine with me. Or like, oh, please don't do that this was really a team effort and all these other people were part of it and I wouldn't want to be singled out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you need to honor that. Now there's sometimes that people that we do recognition kind of things for other purposes and there's ways to reduce their anxiety by letting them know they don't have to say anything, making sure there are any stairs that they have to go up that they may trip on. A lot of little things can be done to help make it better, but it's important to, to get it right. Yeah. And the other one that seems like it can sometimes be a little tricky is this idea of touch. And you already touched on this a little bit, but I guess question one is, is there anything when you have remote employees that can kind of be that substitute for touch? Yes and no. I mean, first of all, if and when you do get together with them, it's always good to at least greet them with a 
good eye contact, a warm smile, reach out your hand to shake their hand and say, you know, I'm really glad to see you. It's been, you know, I'm glad to see you in person. So you affirm that. You can have fun with this. I mean, some people do sort of virtual high fives with their camera and say, hey, let's do a high five. You know, they do that. It's sort of stupid, but uh, you laugh about it. But I think it's as much about that eye contact and, you know, warmth in your voice about, you know, seeing or talking to them. It's tough. The physical touch is tough over the thing. Fortunately, it's not a major deal for most people. And I have to tell you, you know, I mean, regionally, you have to pay attention to it. I mean, I dealt with a, a banking firm that they were mainly out of New York. They acquired somebody in Charlotte. And the two cultures, they didn't know how to greet each other, you know, because the Southerners were wanting to hug. And so you, you got to figure it out. And we have buttons that you can wear when you find out your language. But they have, they have a NHA designation of no hugs allowed. I mean, some people are just like, don't touch me. I don't want anybody to touch me anywhere, anytime. And so it's good to be upfront about that. Oh, I love that. So if I'm a manager listening, I'm like, okay, I got this. I got to figure out what my love language situation here is or my appreciation language is. And what do I do tomorrow when I show up in the office and think about how do I show appreciation to these five, seven, 10 different people on my team in, in a way that's meaningful to them? Yeah. I mean, given the high frequency of people's preference being words, that's, that's a decent place to start. I mean, you may, you may miss it, but you're not going to offend most people if you are very specific. One, we do polls occasionally with our group. We have about 90,000 people on our newsletter list and we'll ask polls. And one of the things people don't want to hear is good job. So because it's too vague and you could say it doesn't take any time or effort to think about it. But if you think about something that you value about that person, and that's really where appreciation comes from. It comes from what you value about them, either the things they do or who they are. Think about that. Get as specific as you can and tell them, well, you know, how that impacts you or the organization or your clients. And so I, I think that's a decent place to start. Do it privately. Don't start out publicly. And if you're more of an introvert, do, do it in writing. You know, you don't have to go up and say it to them. You can just, you know, think about an email or a text and, and write. So I think that's a, a good place to start. I like that. And I will tell you one of my secrets, which is that I have my thank you Thursdays. So each Thursday, I try to think about somebody that I can say thank you to or show appreciation for. And then I write a little email. And then I use my send later button so that they don't always come on Thursdays because I don't want people to think that I've like automated my appreciation. But I know that it's not always top of mind for me. So this kind of gives me a a time on my calendar every week where I actually pause and say, how do I write a really good thank you note to somebody, a really good thank you email to show that appreciation? And there's always something that comes up once I actually stop to think of it. Now, if you want to really jack up the intensity, here, here's something I, I love working with the people I do because I always learn stuff. And one group said that, or one manager actually said that she wrote a thank you note. It was after they had worked, you know, on a hard, long, hard project that, that the team member had spent, you know, long hours, evenings, and weekends, and they'd finished it. And they wrote a thank you note to the person's family and thanked them for sharing their mom or their dad and what a great job their mom or dad did. And they know that it was tough being away from them, but they really appreciate it. Man, that, you know, people tear up when they, wow. they couldn't hear about that. But because, you know, family members and significant others and all that are, are highly impacted as well. So that, that can be really neat. 
Oh, that's so beautiful and a really good place for us to start to wrap up because we're running out of time. So as you know, the show is called The Modern Manager. So can you tell us about one of those amazing managers that you had the privilege of working for and what made this person such a great boss? Yeah, I had a guy early in my career. I worked for the state of Arizona in child protective services and investigated child abuse and dealt with that. And Irv was his name. And he was a crusty old guy, <laughs> been around a long time, but the system was just sick. I mean, I've written a book on rising of toxic workplaces, and, and this was sort of like the poster child. But Irv did a great job of being sort of a heat shield for us because there was a lot of heat coming from outside, whether that's, you know, the families or the attorneys or whomever. And he was just really wonderful at providing sort of a, a safe place for us as a team. And we would get together and laugh and, and joke about stuff. Sometimes the humor was a little bit off, <laughs> Mark, you know, because you're dealing with tough situations. But he just, he had the wherewithal to know that we couldn't take it all. And so he would take it for us. And, and it was really a, a great experience for me. Wow. So such an important thing for a manager to do. And where can everyone listening keep up and learn more about you, Paul, and your work? Yeah, so the primary website is appreciation at work, and it's the word at appreciationatwork.com. I've got another one of drpaulwhite.com about speaking and training and that kind of thing. But you can find out about the book. We have training resources for leaders and HR people so that you can take the materials and run with it within your company or organization. You can buy codes separately without the book so that not everybody has to read the book. And then stuff about uh, toxic workplaces as well. So. That's the main place people can go. Wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing all your insights and learning. I mean, I love all the stuff that you're doing. So just thank you so much again. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity. I highly suggest that you check out more of Dr. Paul's work. He is just doing really incredible stuff. And if you are a member of the Modern Manager community, he has generously made their Motivating by Appreciation inventory free. This assessment helps you discover your preferred language of appreciation and then provides an individualized report with a list of action items that you can share with your colleagues so that they can show you meaningful appreciation. To get this guest bonus and dozens of others, go to mamieks.com join. All the links are in the show notes and they can be delivered to your inbox when you subscribe to my newsletter. You can find that at mamieks.com podcast. And lastly... Truly, thank you so much for being a listener to the show. I know that there is a lot of stuff going on in our lives right now, and the fact that you show up week after week, or even if this is your first time, or even if you're a sporadic listener, it doesn't really matter. The fact that you show up here and you listen and you are thinking about being a great manager is so important, and I just cannot say how grateful I am that you are spending your time with me and that you are making this investment in yourself and your team. So from the bottom of my heart, Thank you so much for listening. Until next time. Meetings are one of the most critical components of healthy collaboration, and teams are at the heart of how we work. Meteor helps you use your time in meetings productively, build healthy relationships with your colleagues, and move work forward. To learn how we do it, visit meteor.com. That's M-E-E-T-E-O-R.com. You've been listening to The Modern Manager. You're already becoming a rock star boss of a thriving team. I can tell. 
To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player and join the mailing list at mamieks.com slash podcast. That's M-A-M-I-E-K-S dot com slash podcast to get show notes and other special content delivered directly to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.